some NBA Finals last night. Obviously, you got the Nuggets going up one nothing over the Miami Heat. Did you check that out last night? The one hundred four ninety three victory for the Joker and company over Jimmy Buckets. So I turned it on because I was like, I was sitting there. I got some stuff done, and I think I, I, I went downstairs to check out, you know, kind of what the game score was. Yeah. And I pulled it up, and it was halfway through the third quarter, and the Heat were already down by like twenty. <laughs> Uh, they did come back at the end a little bit. They, they only shot uh, a record low two free throws last night. That's uh, that's pretty tough. How, how intrigued are you, though, in this finals matchup? Well, it took me until halfway through the third quarter <laughs> to turn it on. Of game one. I know I wasn't really even... I, I wouldn't say I was like watching, watching. I had it on as background noise. And then I think around the end of the third... Start of the fourth is when I, I kind of started to pay attention, and then I realized the Nuggets had it, and I kind of just you know dipped out a little bit. Uh, NBA or the Heat though set an NBA postseason record, fewest free throw attempts going to the foul line just twice again during their loss uh, against the Nuggets. Jimmy Butler vowed to attack the basket more heading into Game Two, which you're going to get on a Sunday night. That's pretty tough, Rowdy. If you're in the NBA Finals and you can't attack the basket, you go to the uh, the foul line. Twice? That's uh that's not good. What were the what were the Nuggets favorite? Was it they were a pretty heavy favorite in this series, weren't they? Yeah, to win the series, they were minus four sixty to Jesus. win the series. Minus and the, the kickback on the heat was plus three fifty. Wow. So clearly and I know that that opened around minus 400, and money obviously came in on, on Denver. But, yeah, they were heavy favorites to win that series. But uh, on the podcast on Winner's Take, yeah. we were talking about series prices, kind of that game. And uh, I think everyone, and the odds reflected this, would say that uh, the Joker is clearly the favorite to win the MVP, yeah. especially Triple with the Nuggets being – that heavily favored him being, you know, arguably the MVP. What was it? it was back and forth between him, Joel Embiid, and Giannis. Yeah, best player that could have won the MVP on the team that's supposed to win. He's clearly the inside track. Well, our guy Dave Essler, who'll join us later this morning, seven forty. He said the real flyer to take in that series has to be Jamal Murray at yeah. seventeen to one. I don't know after game one. I would say Jamal Murray versus uh, the Joker. Probably a coin flip to see who would be the MVP. Yeah, uh, Jokic gets a triple-double. Uh, Jamal Murray scored 26 points. Um, they combined for 53 together, Jokic and Jamal Murray. So a little flyer on Murray that our guy Dave Esser had. Pretty awesome. Um, Murray also had 10 assists and 6 rebounds for a guard. Yeah, he's pretty good. A little double-double for Jamal Murray to the Jokic uh, triple-double. <laughs> I'll say uh, through one game, coin flip between those two, and then there's everybody else. Yeah. And that'll probably be the exact same thing the rest of the series. Yeah. Uh, for the on the Heat side of things, uh, well, Jokic and Murray, that's just that's a lot to uh, the Heat to deal with. What did the Heat have? What they say it was like seven or eight undrafted free agents on their roster uh, in their improbable run here to the NBA Finals. The Heat have been 3-0 and in openers so far in these playoffs, all on the road, like last night. But Denver, uh, still unbeaten at home. And Game 1 winners in the finals go on to win the title nearly 70% of the yeah, time. Yeah, what about uh, 
Jimmy Butler obviously didn't play a good game, and he had the worst plus-minus out of everybody, but also he's one of the guys that's on the court the most out of anybody, and when you're getting slaughtered, you're not going to have a good (laughs) plus-minus. But how about some of the role players for the Heat? You had Caleb Martin, who had been a a pretty good role player. I mean, look at what he did against Boston to close it out. Yeah, One for seven. Not good. Not good. How about uh, Struess? He's supposed to be their shooter in the corner. 0 for 10, 0 for 9 from behind the three-point arc. Duncan Robinson, supposed to be a, you know, a, a spot-up shooter. 1 for 6, 1 for 5 behind the arc. Not a great start for the Miami Heat. Yeah, not good. Um, and then you have Jokic. How about this, Rowdy? So Jamal Murray looking good, right? Uh, Jokic, the two-time MVP, 27 points, 14 assists, 10 rebounds. Uh, Nuggets wait 47 years to finally make it into uh, the NBA Finals. Jokic has now had... Uh, let's see here. His sixth triple double in his last seven games. I think the guy's on a mission. His again, he recorded his ninth triple double for of this year's playoffs and his sixth in his last seven games. He said, "Quote: The most important thing is to win a game. I'm trying to win games in any way possible." Yeah, I think you're the guy to do it, Jokic. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, I know the Heat in their uh, run has been crazy, but again, Jokic having six triple doubles in his last seven games and nine in the playoffs, the dude is a monster. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, the lines for Sunday's game, game two. Still, Nuggets favored by nine yet again. That's the same exact number as game one. Total, though, has been adjusted. It was 219 for game one, yeah. 214 for game two. Oh, coming down a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, the Heat couldn't even crack 100. Last night, which is crazy in this uh, in this NBA. Hell, you look back at the last. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> what? I'm looking at the series price. Yeah. You can still get. Uh, you can still bet the NBA Finals on who you think's going to win. I said it opened around Nuggets minus four hundred yesterday before the game. It was quickly bet up in about a day or two to Nuggets minus four sixty. After Game One, where the Nuggets took it and took it pretty convincingly. That series price on the Nuggets, Nuggets minus 800. Minus 800? Just for easy math, if you put down wow. $80, your comeback would be 10. That's, <laughs> wow, yeah, that's pretty lopsided right there. Minus 800, yikes. Um, okay, <laughs> very heavy favorites now after game one. Rody, what do you, as a gambler, what do you do in a situation like that? You just kind of stay away? Don't even look at it. Don't even do it? Don't even touch it? Not even worth it. Uh, they are now saying that the Denver Nuggets implied odds are about eighty nine percent. Jesus, to win the NBA Finals. That's wild. Yeah, Miami. Jimmy Buckets better get it going. He vowed to do so, and especially after only having shooting two free throws. The whole team. Miami was two for two, <laughs> and he didn't even shoot them. Yeah, he was two. Miami was two for two from the foul line. Uh, checked. It was the fewest free throws ever made in a playoff game. It broke the record for fewest attempts from the line. The previous record, take a guess what the previous record was. If it's two is the record now, what was the previous record, Rowdy? Five. Three. <laughs> I mean, single digits. Uh, the, well, how about this? So if you that was were in 1983, by the way. An NBA fan that the Heat were going to be playing in the NBA Finals, doesn't matter who it's against, but they were only going to attempt two free throws in a game, two one, they'd be shocked. Two, they would probably assume that it was Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo, the two better yeah. players on the Heat. Yeah. Not Hayward Highsmith. <laughs> no. 
He played at Wheeling Jesuit. I don't even know what that is. It's not Division One. <laughs> it sounds like a made-up school. What was it again? <laughs> Wheeling Jesuit? Yeah. It sounds made up. Well, like Sister Mary School were, of the Blind. Remember they were, uh, I think it was earlier in the NBA playoffs, where they were talking about some of these guys on Miami. Like, I think it was, I think Wheeling Jesuit was D3. I don't even, I've never even heard of it. Wheeling, it, it, it sounds like a handicap school for like the um, Wheeling Jesuit. It sounds like there's a bunch of wheelchairs running around. I guess rolling around, reeling Jesuit. But then I, I know it was, I think, um, Duncan Robinson. Now, obviously, he played at Michigan, but before that, he was like a D2 player. Yeah. And they were talking about how they have multiple guys that didn't even play. Not only do they have a lot of unrestricted free agents, but they had multiple guys that didn't even play D1 basketball. Okay, this says Wheeling Jesuit University is a Division Two. Okay, uh, so it's D2. Out of the Mountain East Conference. <laughs> <laughs> the Wheeling Cardinals. Honestly, it sounds like but how a handicap-accessible school. Hayward Wheeling. Highsmith, a guy that was fringe roster is now the only guy that attempted free throws. And by the way, he had over 20 minutes because he's actually been playing well and has earned minutes. He's earned minutes as they've gotten deeper into the playoffs. Uh, Again, uh, seven players went undrafted. That's what it was. Seven players went undrafted that are on the Miami heats roster. It's the most in the NBA. And one of them from the wheeling Jesuit school. Uh, Yeah. Uh, where'd Duncan Robinson go again before? Um, where was he at first, Rowdy? Do you remember? Uh, it was, it was, I think it was D two or something like that yeah, as well. It yeah. wasn't. He didn't start at Michigan. No. Ah, what the hell was it? I'll have to go look again. Oh, he went to Williams. Ever heard of that? No. W- the Willie Williams Epps E P H S Epps. Am I saying that right? I have never heard of it. They're Division three. The Williams, they're in Massachusetts. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if you're going to name Division Two or Division Three college basketball teams, the only ones that I will recognize would be the WEAC yep. and teams that are good in Division Three football. Mount Union. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Mount Union. UW-Whitewater. Like, <laughs> Wartburg. <laughs> like, stuff like that. That's who the Miami Heat are going against. Teams that, like, more of the WEAC teams play or that they see later in the uh, in the uh, Division Three college football playoffs. <laughs> and then uh, for, uh, let's see here. John oh. Carroll. No, that's not a coach. That's a team. <laughs> Carroll. Um, I'm trying to think of... Do you know where uh, the Joker was before he was a Denver Nugget starting in 2015? Somewhere overseas. The KK Mega Basket. (laughs) They're out of Serbia. Um, I couldn't even tell you what the KK stands for. Uh, One of the K stands for club. The first one, Kosarkarovsky Club Mega Basket. That was uh, his team. So there you go. They're in they're in Belgrade, Serbia. Yeah, sorry to, sorry, <laughs> sorry to all the listeners out there. I don't have any scouting reports for that league. Uh, neither do I. Uh, I have no idea. All I know is I can't pronounce about half the 75% of the words uh, that they talk about here. Established in 1998 by a group of basketball enthusiasts, that all employed by a packaging factory in Serbia outside Belgrade. That's how the mega basket team came to be. And then Nikola Jokic eventually found himself on there. 
Uh, and then now he's a Denver Nugget, uh, two-time MVP, and he just had a triple-double in the NBA Finals against a guy who went to Wheeling Jesuit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, again, for the, for the free throws, though, the Los Angeles Lakers had the previous mark. They went three for five from the line against the Philadelphia 76ers, May 26th, 1983. How about that, Rowdy? Um, yeah, two of two. And uh, Adebayo said afterwards, quote, we made history, tongue in cheek. Uh, you got the Nuggets in this one? I think it's safe to say. I think the Nuggets, uh, they might get the heat out of there pretty early. Yeah, I don't, you thinking sweep? You thinking five? I was kind of thinking five after what I witnessed in about a quarter and a half. Yeah. Not good. Oh, and Nikola Jokic, here's another stat for you. Uh, he became the second player in the last 25 years. Uh, LeBron James was the other in 2017. To have 10 assists by halftime of a finals game. He had 10 points, 10 assists by the break. And Denver was up double digits after the first two quarters with Jokic only taking three shots. He finished again with a triple-double. So there you go. Wild. On Wednesday, Rowdy also throws out a lot of picks. It comes uh, courtesy of golf. Uh, Hell yeah. It comes courtesy of golf. Now, on golf, I I suck at golf, and I've come to terms with it a long time ago. I don't practice enough to, you know, like it's on me. Like golf is, it's a, it's you got to practice. Me, Much like everything in life, you got to keep practicing. In order if You're just not good at something immediately. If you want to get better, you got to practice. That, like that's just, we all know that. That's a hard pill to swallow sometimes for people. And for me, it was the longest for golf. I'm like, I, I thought maybe eventually I'd just get it out on the course. Not getting better. I never Are you pr- trying? No. No, I would just drink more, <laughs> drink more, drink more, get more frustrated. I hit a couple shots to keep you coming back. Yeah. But, like. I mean, you're pretty good at putting. I go through waves of, like, I'll go to the driving range or Vitens or whatever. But right now I'm just totally like, I'll do my two, three scrambles a year, and then I'll call it a golfing season. And then in the wintertime, we'll do our uh, awesome, you know, uh, golf simulator event. And then I'll just have a good time there. And then I'll call it, a, you know, a simulator season. Yeah. So basically golfing four times a year? Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to get any better. I don't practice. Well, my confidence used to be shook by golf to the point where, like, I would care about it. Then I'd go to the Vitans. I'd, to the court? I'd, I'd go try and, like, work on my game. And it would never get better. Eventually, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to make the best of it, have fun, yada, yada, yada. Well, I don't get paid to do it, obviously. Rowdy, you picked Bill. Uh, was Billy Horschel on your uh, Razor's Edge picks? Yeah, so we had four Razor's Edge picks. We had Cantley in the top 10, Shoffley in the top 10, Fowler in the top 20, and Billy Horschel to finish top 40. Now, the reason why I liked Billy Horschel as a flyer to finish in the top 40 was... Billy Horschel was the defending champion in this tournament. Billy Horschel, in his last four events on this course, finished in the top 15 three out of four times. And I know it's an elevated elevated event this year, which means there's more money involved, which means more of the better players in the world are going to enter the tournament to win more money. So, yes, the field is better, but you're telling me a guy that is the defending champion, a guy that in three of the last four years has been in the top 15, even with an elevated event, couldn't still sneak in in the top 40, especially at plus money, felt like a solid bet. (laughs) Then I checked his score. Oh, and I should go back and rephrase that. I even said before, I go, he hasn't been playing the greatest golf this year, but if he's ever going to get right, he's going to get right on a course that he's absolutely dominated. Dialed in it. That he's won at and that he's consistently been good on. Yeah. 
Then I started checking his score. Oof. It wasn't good, and it just got worse. And then I'm surfing Twitter yesterday, and I start laughing because I see this video surface. I'm going to play it. And I send it to you and RJ and go, this is not ideal for my pet. Yeah, this is also isn't ideal for Billy Horschel and uh, his career choice, I think. Uh, a reporter, you know, he had a reporter ask him a question. And then Billy Horschel looks like he's going to start bawling his eyes out. He needs to collect himself for almost 20-plus seconds before he answers the question. Billy Horschel is all of us after a bad day out on the course. Take a listen. It's uh, You feel for the guy. Be honest with this <laughs> yesterday, just you, you're trying to find it still. I mean, from the jump, it didn't look like it was there. Just where do you go, Billy? One Mississippi. Mississippi, 4 Mississippi, 5 Mississippi, 6 Mississippi, 7 Mississippi, 8 Mississippi, 9 Mississippi, 10 Mississippi, 11 Mississippi, 12 Mississippi, 13 it's just, it sucked today. I mean, sort of yesterday, sort of thought I didn't hit it very good in Pro-Am. And even after the round, it wasn't bad. I mean, on Jesus. video, it looks good. I do it. Technically, it's it's not that far off. But I'm not able to hit the cut the way I want. This guy is and going through can't, it. I can't get the ball to start left the way I want. And so then, it, you know, when it comes down to having to be more precise on a course like this, it's just, uh, it's tough. Yeah, listen, my confidence is the lowest it's been in my entire career. Oh, I think ever in my entire golf career. So um, it's funny, as low as it feels, it feels like I'm not that far off at the same time, which is, is, is insane to see when you see me shoot 84 today. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it wouldn't make sense to a lot of people, but I don't think I'm that far off. I just need a... I need the swing to be a little bit better. I need to do a few more things a little bit better. Um, I just need to see a few more quality golf shots, and, and um, that's just what I haven't had. And, and it's tough when you come to a course like this and, and you need to be precise, you know, tee to green. And um, I'm not really precise right now from tee to green. Around the greens, I put myself in awful positions trying to get up and down, and my putting is trying to bail me out as much as it can. But, um, but yeah, it's... it's uh, it's a, it's a challenge out there, there's no doubt about it. Um, but like I said, I, I'll, I'll keep plugging away. What are you doing? Oh, I didn't know there was a hit the dumb button. Billy Horschel going through it. Yeah, so there were 120 golfers that entered uh, this memorial tournament. I think he's going to swear. He said it for the final second of the video. What did he do that for, Billy? Sorry, Roddy. There's 120 golfers that entered the Memorial Tournament. (laughs) After day one, Billy Horschel was 118th. There was one guy worse than him and one guy withdrew. If you're going to swear, swear right away. He was plus 12 on the day. Plus Plus 12. 12. Yeah, he did shoot an 84. And just for reference, if he's going to hit the top 40, and we'll say that uh, the tournament ended yesterday after the round, he would be technically 12 shots off where I needed him to be. (laughs) (laughs) That one's over. 
Wow. I'll rip that ticket right off. I love the video of it. Like, the, the reporter asked him the question. He literally needs to collect himself for 20 seconds. He, he's going to start crying. This is how bad the golf game was for him. He he rebounded in the interview, and then at I mean, the end, he had to drop a choice F-bomb. Tr- Currently, the end there, he started sounding like Tim Tebow. Nobody's going to try harder yeah. than us. Nobody's going <laughs> to. After the first round, he's currently 10 shots off the cut. Oh, So it's plus two? That's good night, Irene. I just, I've never seen a guy go through it so much after a bad day of golf. And besides myself looking at the mirror when I get home afterwards, like looking at my sunburn, I'm like, you idiot. Hit, you suck so much at golf. 1200 today to finish the round. Oh, let's see what he's doing. Even. Uh, pulling up so far, he's played one hole. Okay. He's one under. Let's go, Billy. So, at that pace. We should be six under by the end of the round. Hell, Billy Horst, let's go, baby. He is going eighteen under today. He is yeah. what we say is going low. So, Rowdy, we've seen you break. Uh, we've Extremely seen you break clubs. Low. We've seen you break clubs. Clubs over your knees when your driver's not a right. A club. A club. Sorry, a club. I've seen not Rowdy clubs. Um, uh, anything else, Rowdy? You do after a bad round of golf? Do you go home and look in the mirror and like yell at yourself, or do you just try to forget it? Like, what does Rowdy do after a bad round of golf? Billy Horst almost cried on the podium. Most of the time, go to the clubhouse and just get <laughs> drown your. You try to drown your demons. Turns out they can swim though. Exercise um, your demons. Yeah, that was one time with the club, but I was ready to get rid of that club anyway. Yeah, we didn't want him to bag anymore. And the, and the guy <laughs> that I was also golfing with said he would buy it originally. Becker. Yeah, yeah and it was. I did. said, yeah, twenty bucks. It's yours. I hate this thing. And then at the end, of course, he backed out. Oh, yeah. It's Becker. And then I said, well, then F this thing. Yeah. And he threw it away. Broke it and threw it. Yeah. Got rid of it. Yeah. RJ, after a bad round of golf, what do you do? Billy Horschel cries on the podium almost. What do you do? I'm more like you. Like, I know it doesn't matter. So it just turns into like. You want to be good, though. You know, you want to be respectful out there to a degree. Now, if I. I think the drive home is the worst. I'm at the point. So I hit like in the 90s now. Okay. Where if I. Get over a hundred, I get mad. Sure, sure. But like, you know, I like to sit in the car for a bit, and I think to myself, why do I even do this? Why do <laughs> like, I golf? Why am I here? I don't, I don't like enjoy it. I suck at it. And then I remember the f- couple shots I had throughout the day where I'm like, that's why I do it. Those couple shots keep you coming back. Those eighty foot putts, you and you need, drain. and when you got a good scramble, <laughs> you need a, you need teammates around you that can pick you up when you're uh, yep. down a little bit, and when you hit a good shot, you need. Boy, I knew you had it in you. There it is. That's why we bring him. That's why we got you. (laughs) See, I'm a perfectionist. Where even if I play like really well that day, and say say I shot really well for myself, and I shot a 43 on nine holes, and you're playing about bogey golf, you're Mm -hmm. like, God, but I left two putts out there that I should have made. I should have had a 41, and then I'm always nitpicking though. You gotta nitpick the game. I'll learn how to get better. SEC not moving to a nine-game conference schedule after all. It's going to go forward without divisions in 2024. As their commissioner, Greg Sankey, told reporters yesterday, the league has approved a temporary eight-game conference schedule when it welcomes in Texas and Oklahoma to the league. And then the league said they will explore uh, more scheduling options for the 2025 season and beyond. What do you guys think of that? No nine game like they were uh, talking about. They're going on to eight. Well, on the surface, SEC is supposed to be the best conference, right? So oh, they've told. won like every single national championship that was ever played. And it's such a great conference with so much depth and so many good players. And you go yeah, on and on and on. 
Well, we're going to bring in Texas and we're going to bring in Oklahoma in 2024. And we're going to be even deeper as Texas and Oklahoma are historically, you know, the two big, uh, you know, programs in the Big 12. So we'd have even more good teams in the SEC. But instead, instead of playing the nine game conference schedule, we have so many more teams here and we have so much. We're going to actually only play eight and we're going to schedule, you know, Chattanooga a little bit more, Georgia Southern a little bit more. Maybe we'll we'll let uh, Grambling or Southern in to play us so we can destroy them, too. It's like, come on. Yeah. And then they're going to say how they're so, so much better. But then again, the four games where they didn't play SEC, it's going to be like, well, we played one power five school. Okay. You picked like Rutgers and then you played, <laughs> then you played Chattanooga. Then you played Southern and then you played Georgia Southern. So, like get out of here for what the proposal. By the way, the, the Texas AD said he favored a nine game model upon joining the FCC. Now they're like, all right, no, we're doing eight. But this model would feature three permanent opponents. Which would preserve long-standing rivalries, as well as six rotating opponents. So, well, now yeah. you look at the Big Ten, and the Big Ten plays ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is like, that where the ten nine. comes? Or, or, sorry, or no, nine. nine. Yeah, nine. But you're looking. Or, well, the SEC is, currently plays nine. Yeah, twenty is basketball, where the Big Ten yep. really expanded their basketball to to twenty conference games, which is seems like a little much, especially when not too long ago they were playing sixteen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Big Ten, like it was pretty standard, played nine. Yeah, like that's what everyone used to do. And you'd get like a couple of cupcakes. You'd get your Bowling Greens of the world, or you know your Iowa, Iowa or uh, Indiana states, or your uh, Illinois states. Not your Wheeling and then Jesuit. You, then you played one of the legit Power Five teams, like an Arizona State or a Washington State, like they've done recently. So yeah, it's not like you had the toughest schedule ever, but at the same time, you're only playing three of them, and one is going to be a Power Five. Like the SEC, when you look at what they schedule for the most part, yeah, you'll have your LSUs play a Florida State here and there, but a lot of the times they're playing nobody. Right, so, mm-hmm. what do you guys think of Nick Saban? This so Saban saying he's been an advocate for playing nine conference games in the past, but position changed. He said now he wants to focus instead on the need to play only Power Five teams, which he said would be better for fans and improve a team's strength of schedules. Yeah, that absolutely. Would. I totally. the SEC. So, my big thing with the SEC is not that they – it's not because I, I agree with them. They have the most talent per team. Mm-hmm. Like, just looking at recruiting stars and looking at the play on the field, there's no doubt that their talent ceiling is better than any, any other conference. But it's also where they're located. Like, most of the better recruits come out of the Southeast. Yeah. Now, do I also think that – the SEC from top to bottom is the absolute best conference. I really don't. You look at some of those teams, they're not very good. It falls off quick. I also think a big question mark in the SEC is also coaching. Like, clearly, you have good coaches in the SEC. You have your Nick Sabins, your Kirby Smarts. You know, you can, Brian Kelly, you can name some of them. But after that, I feel like it falls off and they're just kind of hyped up because they're SEC coaches. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You're, like, you get the SEC moniker on you and you're like, exactly. yeah, I'm in the SEC. Yeah. Like, look at, look at Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen's a good example because he was all right, decent at Mississippi State. 
And they're like, oh, but if he goes to a big SEC school where he can really get his recruits in, he's going to be great. Then he goes to Florida. He was worse at Florida than he was at Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. And and he got better players. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. I think a I'm lot the of their, I'm awesome. I think a lot of their coaches are kind of overrated for the talent that they actually get. But I I am under the belief they clearly have the best talent. That's why you see a lot of SEC players move on to yeah. the NFL. But that's individual players. Yeah. That's not a full eighty plus man team. Yeah, no one's drafting with, an entire team with because I think if you look at the Big Ten, and this isn't you. me being biased towards the Big Ten. I think that you could argue the Big Ten has from top to bottom. Arguably the best, biggest name coaches. Yeah. Like Pat Fitzgerald is a hell of a coach. Yeah. He gets Northwestern recruits and still wins the Big Ten. Northwestern. Uh, the Big Ten West uh, uh, multiple times. Oh, one guy just went in the top 10 in the draft, didn't he? Like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine if Pat Fitzgerald, the way that he can coach and play defense was, I don't know, like Florida's coach. Like, they would be good. Yeah. Was it top 15 or top 10? But yes. But you um, can go right down through. Like, Jason Day is perceived to be good by most people. Obviously. Luke Fickle's winning a national title this yeah, year. Yeah, Luke Fickle's pretty coveted. You have uh, Harbaugh, <laughs> whose stock has never been higher. He's not bad. Uh, James Franklin has pretty high stock, especially for what he did at Vanderbilt yep. and now uh, Penn State. But you have, like, a lot of bigger names. Where's P.J. Fleck falling that pecking order? He was very coveted. I still feel like if he left Minnesota, he would be a coveted name. <laughs> he, he, would. he would be. I mean, he, like that's the thing. He's like, a knob. But yeah, yes. we can make he's fun of him, knob. but he would still be <laughs> he's a, a name. pretty big name. Or I know, I know he has has since left, but Jeff Brom was a name. Yeah, uh, is this or is this not the Big Brett, Ten? Brett Bielema. Are you not entertained? Brett Bielema is a name. Yeah, the giant pumpkin. He's a name. All right, we got uh, Dave Esther coming up here now, about what 10 you guys, what, oh. Who's the coach in, in Rutgers? Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. That's the funny part. The Rutgers it, doesn't count. Yeah, but no. still, it's Chiano. Oh, it's it's Greg, Gregory Chiano. Iowa. Kirk it's clearly Kirk. a name that's been there forever. Like, yeah, you can go that's and. That's just because he's leveraged. Well, that's, that's is, a name that's uh, like, what? that name ain't ever leaving Iowa. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is. But you, he's well respected and well known. You know. And there are pretty high regards for a lot of All the right. coaches in the Big Ten, yeah. outside of the ones that were just hired or like your Rutgers. Yep. Even okay. even Mike Bloxley in in Maryland is highly respected in the D.C. area. All right, we got um, Dave Esser coming up for Gamble to the Stars. Line one, though. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, gentlemen. Mike Portage. Michael. Good morning. How we doing? Just fine. I got I got a couple of things here. I got to chime in on this. How ridiculous is these teams? These schools changing conferences in college football. Like, at what point does maybe the NCAA step in? Like, how do you have UCLA and USC, the most West Coast schools, playing a team? In I know how. I'll tell conference? you. I'll tell you how, buddy. Money. Money. It is ridiculous. I remember back when I was a kid, it was all regional. It made sense. The Big Ten was the Midwest. The big The Big Twelve was, you know, the, the Central America. The Plains. The planes now it's all over the place. It's ridiculous. Well, Mike, two plus two doesn't equal four anymore, so of course it doesn't make sense. But it, it, if you question it, you're uh, you're an idiot. It equals five now. Right. The other thing is this whole Ben Kenny uh, <laughs> caddy situation. The only thing I can think of when you say Ben Kenny is going to be caddying is in the movie Searching Hutch when Snoop Dogg is 
going undercover as a caddy, <laughs> then wearing that outfit and like uh, talking about grass and. Hey, don't get Ben started on grass. He'll he'll have PTSD of uh, the Eagles losing in the Super Bowl. Dave, our gambler of the stars, check him out, pregame.com. The dude is phenomenal at what he does uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, handicapping games, setting lines, and making money. Him and Rowdy teamed up for a great podcast called The Winner's Take, and uh, a new one that was out yesterday, all kinds of goodies uh, from Major League Baseball, a bunch of futures, the NBA. Uh, Dave is incredible. You can check his work out, too, at pregame.com. What I was trying to say is, uh, our, our guy Dave, he, he lives in Florida. He went on vacation in Florida. My question to everyone out there, if you lived in uh, like a state like Florida, would you still go vacation in Florida, or would you travel elsewhere to go on vacation? I wanted to ask Dave about it, but unfortunately, a big vacation cut off our phone call. So Rowdy's calling him right now, and we'll dive into um, uh, some gambling stuff. Um, maybe we'll just have to do it another time. Uh, a little later on. I think Rowdy's getting them right now, though. We got news with Leary coming up. Might have to skip that so we can get some of those uh, awesome bets out with our guy, Dave Essler. But, yeah, uh, before we get Dave on, uh, he's thinking about possibly. We good, Rowdy? We good? All right, cool. I'll just, I'll just kill on time. Dave, can you hear me now? I can. How are you? Beautiful. Dave, I did ask a question out there. You live in Florida. You went on vacation, uh-huh. and you stayed in Florida. Don't you want to go, like, uh-huh. I don't know, vacation elsewhere where a state you don't live? How does that work? Well, Florida's a big state. I mean, <laughs> you know, I have lots of options. And, you know, if I'm only taking a short little break, actually it was my anniversary. Oh, so, happy anniversary. Thank you. But, uh, but uh, you know, the bottom line is if I'm going to only take three days, four days away from home, why do I want to fly for like a day to get there? That's a good point. And you're already in like the tropics anyways. Like. Uh, pretty pretty much. Where would you like? I feel like you're a guy that likes the tropics, hence or the warm weather. That's why you live in Florida. I don't think you'd be vacationing somewhere in like Greenland or Iceland or something, would you? I do actually have a desire to go there, but um, <laughs> it's probably not. It's probably not. You know, I mean, who wants? Who doesn't want to see the Northern Lights? I mean, don't answer that. Maybe some people don't. Dave, we see him here. Would... We've been seeing him here in the Madison area the past couple. It's been awesome. You gotta have it on the twenty fourth. Uh, I, that, I can't promise you when the Northern Lights are going to hit, so I don't know. Yeah, if, if you see weird green lights on the 24th, it's probably because we're on our way to, like, the strip club. Yeah. Dave, you want to come with us? Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I figured maybe that's because Tulane was coming to play Wisconsin or something. <laughs> I'll slap a couple dollar bills on your forehead. We'll put you in front row. Hey, Dave. Uh, sure. Dave, uh, I want to do some rapid-fire gambling with you to get it all out there. Uh, what do you got in Major League Baseball for us, my man? I know Rowdy uh, has – how many games do you have today? Six? Six, and what? I hate it. What? Dave, how many? what do you got for us? A little, some juicy nuggets in Major League Baseball. I'm almost wanting to go head to head against Rowdy, but yeah. I actually, you know, we'll, we'll just we'll just stick in the NL Central. I I like the Pirates in the over. I mean, how can you bet on the Cardinals right now? How can you take polarity on the road? I mean, the Pirates are a better team, and they're at home underdogs. I'll give me the Pirates. Rowdy, uh, go ahead. Was no, that, I have was nothing, that on your... I have no. That is not on my card. Okay, Dave. Up next. Up next, David. Uh, I like the Yankees. Um, oh. You know, I, 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 I think Severino is probably better than Kershaw right now. He's got some off-the-field issues. They got a better bullpen, so I, I like the Dodgers. Uh, what else do we like? I like the uh, first five over in the Mets-Toronto game. Uh, Bassett is in full regression mode, and Verlander is not what Verlander used to be. Mm. Um, 
You know, I kind of, I kind of like the Reds' run line. I mean, they snuck one into Boston last night. We talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I mean, there's there's four winners for you. Reds run line, obviously going against the Milwaukee so Brewers. What are your thoughts on this game? Because I, you know, I'm scrolling around and I'm looking at uh, the Colorado Rockies in the first five with Chase Anderson. He's throwing the ball uh-huh. decently well. He's taking on the Royals. Jordan Lyles. These are two old Milwaukee Brewer friends of ours. Jordan Lyles has an ERA at around eight. Has not won a game this year, and in fact. The Royals haven't won a game he started at all this year, and I can get plus money on Colorado in the first five. Well, don't you think that could be a little bit of a sucker's bet? Mm, it could be. Rowdy, I think, did mention but, man, I mean, Jordan. I mean, Lo- Jordan, oh, he stinks. I mean, but but really, do you want to do you want to put your money on the Rockies on the road? I mean, just take take the take the starting pitchers off the rotation and and look at the rest of the stuff. I mean. I don't. I couldn't take Colorado, so I'll, I'll go against you there. There we go. There we go, David. I knew we'd get one. Where you guys went against each other. All right, witness. I got a witness to that one. Well, I'll take the. I'll take the other side as often as I can because I know how easy it is to get rowdy riled up. Oh, the, yeah. That's like the easiest thing ever, Dave. That's. I should. I should come up and play in the golf tournament because he would be. He would be like. It would be like club and baby seals. I mean. <laughs> even, Mentally, I would be, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would do the Bryson thing. I would live rent free in his head. Clubbing baby seals, Dave. That could be your next vacation. You know, a little cold weather climate. Bring a club with you, uh, Alaska. Yeah, Alaska, Dave. There you go, buddy. I'll, 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 I'll stick to National Geographic. Thank you. Wait, <laughs> well, the clubbing baby seals. Hey, Dave. All right, what, what do you think of the NBA Finals here? What, what are the, what's the updated odds for? Yeah, now the Nuggets, the Nuggets to win the series. New price. Nuggets minus eight hundred. Is that even worth even thinking about, Dave? No, nah, not in my book. Yeah, I mean, if I needed to fill in a parlay leg or something, I could do something <laughs> like that. But no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Actually, kind of like the over in this second game. Ooh. I mean, I looked at the, I looked at I looked at the stats for last night's game, and I think uh, Denver shot twenty nine percent from behind the arc, and I think Miami was slightly better, but not great. Um, the Heat only took, I think, two free throws. Um, so yep, you know, right. I, I think you know, I, and the Denver winning was was fairly predictable, not because of the talent differential, but I mean, they had so much more time to prepare yeah. for either Boston, either Boston or Miami. So I think that was an easy one. I think people will look at that and say, well, you know, Miami only lost by eleven, but you know, they were never within twenty from for like two and a half quarters. So. Dave, um, Dave, four, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't touch the side, but I leaned to the over. I think there'll okay. be some regression. Well, that total also dropped about five points from where it was at, and like you said, the shooting wasn't necessarily the best from both sides. And Dave, yeah, if, I mean, I mean, game ones in the NBA Finals are like eighty percent under. So I mean, that was almost a blind bet for a lot of people. I don't think it was like a handicapping. Oh, the lines way off. It's strictly a game seven, game one in the NBA Finals. They're yeah. going to take under. Hey Dave, uh, before I let you go, I wanted to put this out there too. I know uh, when we had John last Friday, you said uh, you pick a, p- uh, picked a flyer on Jamal Murray for uh, Finals MVP. The dude scored 26 points, uh, had a double-double. Uh, him and Jokic uh, teamed up for uh, 53 total. Jokic had a triple-double in his Finals debut. Jamal Murray, 26 points, a double-double. Uh, how are you feeling about your futures MVP bet with Jamal Murray? Well, I mean, it doesn't suck to have him at 17-1. to 1. I mean, Yeah, totally. You know. 
Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty happy with it. It's better than having him tweaking an ankle in the first quarter and being gone. <laughs> Fair point, David. Fair point. You know? uh, yes, it, indeed. It, 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 it's still in play. I mean, <laughs> you know, you say you're saying there's a chance. Hey, well, yes. This is good for you because you go front page of, I don't know, like ESPN or CBS Sports, Jokic Murray combined for 53. Murray is getting front page lo- uh, love. So that's that's oh, good yeah. for your, you know, bet because he's getting attention absolutely. and you want attention Ab- in it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's, you know, a lot of it as you know is not stat based. It's Yeah, attention. You know, it, it, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Dave- oh, it's kind of like Vanderbilt. Kind of like Vanderbilt gets. <laughs> hey Dave, what are we doing right. on vacation? Um <laughs> I don't think my wife's listening. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what do you do on vacation in a hotel room when you have no responsibility and you have your wife with you? Probably watch TV. I'll yeah, exactly. It. Yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, separate yeah. separate beds. I hope you got two queen beds. Watch whatever program you want, and no hanky panky, none at all, Dave. Nothing yeah. like that. Um, yeah, you're pretty much wrong on all three counts. None of your bets are in play. <laughs> well, I'm not the pro here, Dave. That's why I got you on. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Dave. I thought you were gonna. De- I thought you were gonna debate me about college football. Dave, we, we all know the Big Ten's far superior than the SEC. There's no debate there. That'd be like me clubbing baby seals. Come on. Okay, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> I, I figured. You'd, I figured you'd get on the whole conference schedule thing. I was ready for you, Dave. We just wanted to hear your awesome bets and uh, wanted to know what you're doing on vacation. Uh, not, not making the beast of two backs. Just watching television in a hotel room. Um, yeah, I convinced her to watch the NBA Finals last night, so, you know, that, that, that back cashed. Hey, Dave, have a great vacation, man. We love you. Thanks so much. And uh, I'm glad we could fix the phone connection. You the man, David. Enjoy it, okay? Uh, yeah, you guys have a great weekend. See you, buddy. There he goes, our guy Dave Essler. Was he insinuating having sex, Rowdy? All right, speaking of fun, uh, and then also getting frustrated and deterred, how about this segue right here? I got a tweet yesterday um, from our guy J8 Krebs, and this was well. This is uh, let's see here. It was a it was a couple hours after the Brewers had concluded, probably about an hour, hour and a half, uh, two hours tops that the Brewers game was done, and they had lost to the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, um, Freddie Peralta what gave up two dingers and then kind of settled in after that. Freddie Peralta did pretty good for himself. I mean, final numbers on Freddie Peralta weren't bad. It was once again the fact that the Milwaukee Brewers offense yeah, didn't hardly score any runs. So I was getting to. Uh, you look at it, the Brewers, who had four hits the day before, had six hits yesterday. They scored one run top of the ninth. Uh, that was it for the Brewers. They lose 3-1 to one to the Blue Jays. I got a tweet from my guy, J.A. Krebs. And we were talking about, you know, having fun, right? Uh, being entertained. Krebs says, this Brewers team is just boring. Their pitching is hurt. They don't have one single slugger. We better hope that Jackson Cheerio is the real deal, otherwise this team will continue to be boring. Uh, end tweet from J.A. Krebs. And I'm thinking to myself last night, this Brewers team is boring. Like, they are boring. Yeah, but not, you weren't saying that the first three weeks of the season. No, but I'm definitely saying that the, how many weeks are we in now? Uh, the, how many weeks have we been saying this about the Brewers well, now? It's, three it's now three June, weeks now? So it's, it's been roughly nine, ten weeks. How this Brewers team... Right now, I mean, at first they were excited. They had all these young guys coming out of nowhere. Uh, they were hitting the ball, uh, the awesome base running. They were doing it every way, hitting home runs, doing small ball. You're like, damn, this team is fun. 
And now the past, what, the Brewers have now lost, out of the last 11 series, I think the Brewers have now lost nine of the last 11 series, I want to say. I'll have to go fact check myself. This Brewers team is tough to watch. Well, let's just go right through it. Yeah, they lost nine of the last 11 series. We'll start with the pitching staff because that's easy. You've literally had almost everybody from your starting five on the IL at least once outside of Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta. And when I say the, you know, your, your starting five, you can even extrapolate that out to like your starting eight or nine. That's how many guys have been hurt. Mm-hmm. And Corbin Burns after his first two starts, he's been all right. Like he's been decent, but he hasn't been, I don't know, 2020, 2021 or 2022 Corbin Burns. Who's a top five in the Cy Young type guy. Freddie Peralta, he's had starts where he's looked really good, and then he's had starts where he's gotten absolutely bombed. Those are like the only two starters that have been healthy for you. Everyone else has been hurt. And then in the bullpen, you've had injuries. You've had a lot of unknowns. And then there's Devin Williams, who's been really great. So outside of Devin Williams, there's been a lot of question marks. There's been a lot of, well, who do we turn to now? Well, this guy is hurt and now that guy is hurt and so and so wasn't pitching well, but that's what happened when there was going to be a big question mark. Overall, the bullpen has been pretty middle of the road. And then you get to the actual the batters. Yeah. You look at catching. Now, William Contreras defensively is night and day better where he was last year, but you could also argue He's also night and day uh, worse than where he was last year hitting the baseball. Uh Like he made the all-star team for the Atlanta Braves essentially as a catcher slash DH, but it was because of his hitting numbers. He's not hitting at all. He, I mean, he's batting under 250. What? He doesn't have a ton of home runs compared to the at bats like he did last year for his ratio. He hasn't played great offensively. You look at first base, Rowdy Telez has been solid. He he has basically been what you expected. A guy to hit 240 to 250, give you some pop, give you above average defense. Rowdy Telez has been solid. Mm-hmm. We'll go to, go to second base. We'll go Bryce Terang because he's played there most of the year. Came out of the gates hot, right? Was hitting everything, uh, was stealing bases, playing, for the most part, pretty darn good defense. Yeah. The only thing that has stayed true about all those statements that I said is him still playing pretty darn good defense. He's batting 205. <laughs> Clearly, after roughly the first few weeks, He's batting 205. Major league pitchers and these opposing teams got a legitimate book on Bryce Terang, and now he's the guy that has to make adjustments, and we're waiting to see if he can do that in June. Yeah. But he's struggling. Let's look at the other. Uh, let's go to shortstop. Willie Adamas, the guy that uh, is supposed to be kind of the heartbeat of this team, he wasn't hitting the baseball very well at all, and then he got hit in the face with a baseball yeah. from Brian Anderson's foul ball. Back. Hey, like, if he did hit the baseball, though, it did go out of the park. He'd hit a dinger. But that's but the thing. It was like, it, then this is exactly how Willie Adamas started last year. This is exactly how Willie Adamas started in Tampa Bay uh, before the Brewers trade. Because remember, then he got absolutely on fire since basically the Brewers traded for him in May. Yeah, But he has started slow now in basically, if you count his Rays tenure, the last year with the Rays, he started slow the first couple months, the last two, three years. So you got to hope that Willie Adamas comes on. You look at third base. 
That was supposed to be Luis Arias. Dude hasn't played since the first game. Yeah, he got hurt in the last play of the game. Now, I believe he was eligible to come off of the IL here. Yeah, he's been in his rehab assignments. Right, right around this time. So you're hoping to get him back. And then you look at kind of uh, some of the you, you look at some of the the guys that were going to be utility players. Mike Brasso, he was really hot in spring. Yeah, hasn't done a whole lot so cold, far though. during the season. He's cool. Brian Anderson, he was hot as hell the first three weeks, and he's kind of cooled down. But he's for what you paid him and what you ask him to do to play corner outfield, third base, move around a little bit. He's been solid. Yep especially for the price tag. And then you go to your official outfielders. Tyrone Taylor, I know he came off an injury, but he sucked. (laughs) He's batting 160. Oh, God. Like, he has been awful. And it's not like he's that great of a defensive outfielder to be like, well, we can keep him out here batting 160 like they tried to do with Jackie Bradley Jr. Because Jackie Bradley Jr. is one of the best go get in the outfield. Tyrone Taylor is slightly above average, and he's hitting 160. That's bad. He's terrible. That's terrible. Bad. And then, I mean, just go right around. Jesse Winker really doesn't play much of the outfield. And, oh, by the way, he hasn't been hitting much at all. No, he has not. And if you're a, one, if you're a one-sided player where you're supposed to be like a, a DH now swinging the bat, and you're not swinging the bat, you're useless. Uh, you look at the outfield uh, even more. Joey Weimer. Has not consistently hit the baseball strikeout rate closer to where it was in double a when they were kind of questioning, you know what, is this kid going to be able to get the strikeout rates down? He hasn't. Now I will say this about Joey Weimer. Clearly he can play good defense at the major league level. He's shown that the bat you're going to see where, where he's going to be at. But again, he wasn't supposed to be in the big leagues until may of next year. He only played about a month of triple a baseball his entire life. And then you had Mitchell, the guy that was the most ready between uh, all those young outfielders. He He's hurt. He's probably done for the year. Yeah, and then there's Christian Yelich, who's been average as all average. This team is just, despite all everything you're just talking about, Rowdy, again, in first place in the NL Central. It, now it's down to a half game above the Pirates. And it's, it's, like, it's been dwindling. How long do you think the Milwaukee Brewers can continue to play? Well, one, continue to sustain these injuries. To continue to get the type of pitching and hitting that they've gotten and stay in first place. It's like, okay, the pitching is there. How many times are we going in the air and be like, well, the Brewers had four hits last night. Oh, well, they had four hits again last night. Oh, they had six hits last night or yesterday afternoon. Like, uh, how many times can you see this Brewers team? Well, like, the pitching is there, but the bats just don't do anything. One thing that I just don't get is clearly we know that the Milwaukee Brewers love, love their little Wisconsin stories, right? Yeah. Hey, did you know that Craig Council's from Wisconsin? What? Did he did play you for the Brewers? Had, yeah, did you know he played for the Brewers and he had ties to the Brewers? No way. Like, they love those little factoids, right? Yep. Owen Miller is from Wisconsin. He's from the Mequon area. He's been hitting the crap out of the baseball. He, I know just a couple, I think it was a week or so ago, he entered... Second in Major League Baseball behind Luis Arise, who's the best peer hitter in baseball for average. Now, I know it's dropped a little bit since he uh, started playing a little bit more. He's still batting 328. How come it took so long for a guy that, that was that hot with some of these other guys that were struggling and he might have played those same positions? Because he's versatile. He can play first, second, third, corner outfield. Why did it take so long to get a guy that was hot into the lineup? And why did it take even longer to move him from like a seven, eight, nine hole 
to an actual two hole yeah. where he's he's up there hitting behind a Christian Yelich who's supposed to be getting on base. It took too long, especially on a team where there was no there was no spark plug. There was nothing getting the team going. And then you, you go right down the list here. Joey Weimer's hitting one ninety nine. That's not good. <laughs> Tyrone Taylor's hitting one sixty. That's, That's worse. It's not good. Bryce Terang is hitting two oh five. It's better than it in the ones. Brian Anderson's hitting 240. Right. For him, that's respectable. He's that's kind of what there. you're looking for. A little better there. William Contreras, 242 and not a ton of pop. Yeah. That's awful for him. <laughs> Rowdy Telez is right where he needs to be, 244 with some pop. Yeah. Christian Yelich, <laughs> this Brewers 253. Team. He's average as average can be. Well, he makes how much money again? $26 million plus. <laughs> yeah, this but, Brewers team is, is tough. Name something that has went right. So the, you can't no. not a, not a not a for a matter of fact thing where it's like this clearly made the team. So better. despite all of that, with none of that going right, they're in first place by a half game. Will it eventually turn around? What goes up must come down. What goes down must come up. But it's sad for Brewer fans as above, so below because you have another month of this. Like you you expect to get Woody back. I mean it. It's a guy back, but Jason Alexander. Can we get like a guy back that's got pop in the bat? Matt, like, like ball? Matt Bush, like some of those. Well, the pitching arms, is not the problem. But that, but that's the thing that will help you. You can yeah. score less if you allow less. So yeah. getting anybody back is going to help you. But you are going to by the end of June be getting, in theory, a lot of these arms back that will only strengthen the rotation and bullpen. But, but yes, we want. For the most runs, part, you have to wait a month. We want offense. We wait, want you runs. want runs? Yeah, I'm not talking Taco Bell either. Well, <laughs> the Brewers are 26th out of 30 teams in Major League Baseball with scoring runs per game. It's below four. It's 3.95. <laughs> what was it in 2021? It was like 4.4. Four. And remember, we were bitching hard about that. Yeah, last year it was just under four or five. You know, we need three hitting coaches instead of two. All right, we'll uh, continue the conversation coming up with the Brewers. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, when were we the, bitching the most? These, was are, it officially, these are officially the 2020. Teams, well, they sucked in 2022. Yeah. But uh, 2021, we were bitching a lot. These are the teams worse than Milwaukee officially scoring runs. Detroit, they stink. Miami, they're not very good. Cleveland, huge disappointment, but the offense was never expected to be great. And Oakland, a team that some wonder if they're even trying. <laughs> Everybody they're, else. They're Kansas City has officially passed Milwaukee, and they statistically are oh, yeah. the second worst team in baseball. No other team in baseball besides majority of them bottom feeders. Hey. Have less than four runs per game. Hey, your first place Brewers, though, baby. Uh, they it. are currently 16 points away from 24th place, which is the Philadelphia Phillies, who have 4.11 mm. runs per game. They are actually closer to 27th than they are 24th. First place Milwaukee Brewers, Man. though, Rowdy. Don't forget it. First place. <laughs>